0: Welcome to the Ivy Church Podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. How is everyone doing? Good. Excellent. Well, um, you may or may not know, I spend quite a lot of uh, my year with my wife Judith. who's at the back over there. my kids, they're not here. Uh, I spend it in Zambia and traveling and working around Southern Africa. So um, it wouldn't be a talk from me if it didn't have a bit of Southern Africa in. Is that OK? Yes. Good. Excellent. Well, here we go. Next slide, please, moral. Does anybody know what this is? It's Victoria Falls, yeah. And the, the Tonga name for Victoria Falls is Musi Otunya. Can anybody say that? Okay? Musi Otunya. Yeah, you can now speak Tonga. Well done. Brilliant. <laughs> See, it's language lessons here tonight. And Musi um, Otunya means a smoke that thunders. It's one of the um, best places in the world to do whitewater rafting, especially when the Zambezi, and that's how you say it, by the way. You don't say Zambezi, it's Zambezi. That's how you say it properly. When that water's a bit low, there's lots of rocks and there's lots of rapids and stuff like that, and you can hurdle down it in an inflatable boat and nearly kill yourself. It's perfectly up to you. It's fine. First European to see Vic Falls was David Livingston celebrated mishu in 1855 it's a long time ago isn't it of course he didn't discover it um because of course there were people there weren't there <laughs> there was the tonga people and and they obviously knew it for themselves and what i want to focus on is not the falls themselves it's this a little bit to the side i don't know if you can see it there we're under the bridge because if you fall in the water there you're in trouble You're in a lot of trouble, because the current is so strong. It's the widest waterfall in the world, the the widest, you know, curtain of water, and it pushes through that gorge, and the current is so strong, you go in, you're going to have a lot of trouble. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about what's the current of your life, what's the direction, what's the flow of your life. And what that means about our prayer life with God. Is that okay? It's good. good, excellent. Tim thinks it's a good idea. Well, at least, at least I might get invited back, you never know. <laughs> We're going to have a look at, at a bit of uh, the book of James. And it's James chapter 1, and it's verses 2 to 8. And if you haven't got your phone on you or a Bible, you can read it on the screen behind me, or on the TVs, and it says this, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and another word you could use there is consistency, that's in other translations, okay, so perseverance, perseverance. Such a person is double minded and they're unstable in all they do. See, I, I don't know about you, but, but I read that passage and I'm, I'm always tempted to think it's about believing more. Yeah, does anybody else think that? You think, oh, you know, if I doubt, if I somehow have this nagging question in the back of my mind and I don't somehow banish that question from my mind, then. I'm kind of not praying with any certainty. I'm not praying with faith. It's almost like we think God is a bit like a faith machine, yeah? That when you pray, He's like looking at you, and He's sort of got a little faithometer or something, you know? And it's maybe set at seventy percent, and if if you if you get to seventy point five, you, you're sorted, you know? The prayer is gonna happen. You're in. Yeah, yeah. Is anybody? Is it just me who thinks like this? But if you're having a sixty-five percent day or a two percent day or just none at all day you're stuffed yeah you see I, I think it's so often we feel guilty we read something like that and we think oh dearie me well I'm, I'm just the wave <laughs> I'm just being tossed about backwards and forwards and the thing is has anybody ever thought that the harder you try to have faith it's like you can't have it yeah Because at the end of the day, you you know, you might be praying for somebody to get well, okay? Or, okay, let's let's pick something really mad. You're praying somebody to be raised from the dead. Now, you might do it because it looks cool for everyone else to see you do it, okay? If you ever did do it. But for you to walk up to that person and think, oh, yeah, God's going to answer that. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm not sure I could do that. Or when you're going through a really difficult time maybe financially or in some other way and you're praying for that and and no matter what you pray for it just seems to be there it takes it it, it takes a kind of madness to just ignore all of that stuff doesn't it you can't do it well i can't anyway because it's there right in front of you and we get this struggle in our mind and we have this guilt Oh, we don't have enough faith. In fact, even some churches say that, don't they? You know, if you don't have enough faith, then God isn't going to bless you. He's not going to give you money. He's not going to give you this. He's not going to give you that. What utter rubbish all of that is. Because I, I don't think this passage is talking about that at all. It, it's not like a faith competition. <laughs> it's almost like when we, when we think about prayer, when we think about God, we, we, we use the wrong organ in our body. We use our brain. And, that, and that's good. It's good to be intelligent. It's good to think about stuff. But prayer, God, is not just about logic. It's not about what you understand. It's not about your own efforts alone. There's, there's other things to it as well. And that's what we're going to look at. So have you ever thought, have you ever seen this? Where, um, it's in Thessalonians. The next slide, please, moral. So it says pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians. Has anybody read that? Yeah? Has anybody ever managed to do that? Ever? <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, be honest with me, you know? Pray without ceasing. I mean, what on earth was the Apostle Paul on about? I, I, has any, anybody here done like an advanced driving course or something like that? Or trained for MI6? Because they do that as well. No? There's no budding spy, well, you couldn't tell me if you were, could you? That's a thing. So you just have to keep it quiet or just do me in in the car park afterwards. But the fact is, is that part of their training and part of advanced driving schools is that you have to commentate on what you're doing every time. So you're driving along and it's like, you know, white car in my mirror, going a bit too fast. And you have to be telling your instructor everything that is going on around you all the time in every situation. Is that what praying without ceasing is like? You know, you sort of meet somebody and you're saying, hello, how are you? But inwardly you're like, I pray for this person there. Is, is that what it's like? Or, you, or you, you, know, you walk to Didsbury and you're praying for Didsbury on your way. You go into the sandwich shop and you pray for, you go absolutely mad. You can't do that. Maybe you can. <laughs> is, is that what it's about? I mean, so much for peace and harmony with Jesus. We'd all be gibbering wrecks. You see, it, it can't be talking about the way we think, about our efforts, about what we do. It must be something else. What if you were the prayer? So rather than it be something you do, it's something you are. Have you ever thought of your life that way? That your life is a prayer? That everything you did, everywhere you went, the, mo- the very motivation for doing it, it was like an intercession. It was like asking God for His will in your life or in the world around you, that you know everything about you was sort of geared that way. Would that not allow you to in some way? Pray without ceasing. I think it maybe would. So what if your life was a prayer? I don't know if you ever thought of it that way. I mean, in, in John 17, Jesus said this. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. He was talking about his disciples there. 17 verse 20, if you were looking at that. It says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So he's praying for us there that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So Jesus prayed for us and he said, Father, may they, you, me, may we be in Jesus, one with him. Could that be part of what Jesus is talking about? where your life is so consumed, where who you are is so consumed with him, that your very life itself is a prayer before God. That your life together is a prayer before God. In fact, you know the fact that you're a Christian, the fact that you're sitting here, the fact that you have at least partly a direction that's towards Jesus is in itself an act of prayer. You know, people talk about having a prayer life, don't they? And um, everyone overstates that, might I say. You know know when somebody goes, I was praying for two hours this morning. I never believe them, ever. (laughs) And leaders are the worst for it. I know lots of leaders. And uh, if they're saying saying things publicly, they say really impressive things. And yet, if you're honest and you talk openly with people... You see there's a a vast disparity between what people say and what they do sometimes, let me put it that way. It's hard. But rather than having a prayer life, what happens (sighs) if we have a life of prayer? A life of prayer. And if your life was a prayer, it's a little thing for you to think about. What would you be praying? What is God hearing? through you, through what you are, through what you do, through what you think. What are you praying to him? What are you saying to him? You see, that, that passage in James, it talks about that if we lack something, we should ask for wisdom. And in the context of that passage, which is a, a, a lot of persecution for people who were Christians, a lot of trials were coming against them. You know, they they were being killed, they were being hunted, they were being discriminated against. All kinds of things were going on. In the context of that passage, it's not just asking for more. When we ask for wisdom, it was about asking for more of Jesus in our lives. You look at the Old Testament, if you look at the way the word wisdom is used, sometimes it's used of Jesus himself. It was used of the Messiah. That person, that Godhood that God was going to send... To earth. When that passage in James is saying to ask for wisdom, it's saying to ask for more of Jesus, to align your life to be full of Jesus. That's the wisdom it's talking about. And and the thing is, sometimes, I, I think we kind of divorce spiritual things and physical things. Anybody do that? Yeah, you know, we sort of think oh, well, it's okay, we act like this on a Sunday and we don't act like that way on a Monday or when we're in work. I mean, there's a saying in Zambia, you know, you go to church and then you have business. And what that basically means is that everyone's a hypocrite. That's basically what what it means. Is everyone goes to church and be nice and holy and then they're like screwing people over on the Monday morning. That's basically what it means. And it's rubbish, isn't it? We all see the falsehood of that. And I'm sure if you're honest with yourself, you see some of that same falsehood in you. Now you might not be as bad as that, okay. I'm not saying you are, but but it'll be an element within you that is slightly contradictory. You want to live the life that God has for you, you want to go that way, but actually you're not. <laughs> or you're not in full. You see, maturity is a life of prayer before God where your life is aligned to what God is asking you to do and the call that he has on you and, and that could be anything that could be anything from you know leading something like dignity to working as an accountant Keith <laughs> it can, whatever God is calling you to do that, that that's not the, the the problem the aim is is who are you doing it for why are you doing it what motivates you to do it what is the most important thing in your life You see, that life, those lives have a habit of overflowing into action. Because spirituality, knowing Jesus, isn't just about what we think. It isn't just about what we pray. It's actually about what we do. And that's why part of what we do is is a prayer to God. I'm doing this because I'm worshipping you. I'm doing this, Lord, because you you love that person and I love that person, even though I don't feel like it. And if you're anything like me, you don't feel like it an awful lot sometimes, you know. You, you do it because you love Jesus. That's why your, aim, why your life is aimed that way. There's a picture of a wave in that passage. There you go, there's a wave for you. And I wonder if really what we're talking about is consistency. Because what James says is that is if we doubt, if we lack that focus, if we lack that character, if we lack that alignment, whatever way you want to phrase it, that we are inconsistent, we will, we, we will not persevere, and we are like a wave of the sea being blown backwards and forwards. And, and what on earth does he mean by that? Well, a wave doesn't have a will of its own. Whatever the surrounding sea or current is pushing... Just like a Victoria Falls, you will be pushed that way. You will move that way. You will rise up and you will fall down, depending upon all of the other waves and the ocean around you. You'll kind of be out of control in some ways. You'll have no direction in your life, maybe no meaning in your life. And it's a picture of, of, of you like a, a divided heart. Of indecision, a lack of reality in our faith maybe, false faith even. You see, I I just think we misinterpret that passage in James. It says that we won't receive anything from the Lord. Now what is it talking about there? That must mean that it is possible to be focused on God. It must mean that it's possible to have direction, to have a life that is a pleasing prayer to God. It must mean that there is life that we can receive when we decide to offer ourselves as a prayer to God. You see, I think some of us are a bit like a stuttering prayer. We sometimes pray and it sometimes goes alright and we sometimes don't and it kind of doesn't go alright. We, we, we're a bit double-minded thing often are we like a wave you see the thing is if we are you will never know who or what you are doing here you'll never get that you'll never understand it because you'll just be part of the flow and part of the current it's only when you get out of that flow that you start to see who you are in jesus You see, who here, and I'm sure nobody does, nobody here wants to be tossed backwards and forwards and around and upside down and up and down. Nobody here wants that. But the solution lies in asking God for wisdom in our character, in who we are, in what we are, to live every day. That's what those guys in those life groups are doing. We're helping them to understand that to live right, to live better, to live in life, is to not be like a wave of the sea being tossed around everywhere. It is to know Jesus properly, focused, aligned right with him. And then as that happens, things happen around them. Communities change and crime rates fall and orphans get helped and all kinds of stuff. Because that's what happens when our life gets offered in prayer to God. Now, to help us work out where we are, I came up with this. There we go, the prayerometer. <laughs> I wasn't good enough for PowerPoint that it moves around. Okay, <laughs> but you see, on this side is that um, that your your life, the pr- things you pray, the things you do, what you are is to do with God, and on this side, it's when it's to do with you. Okay, that's pretty easy to understand, isn't it? say yes John Yes, that's good <laughs> now what you pray for can be something that might help you think about this but it's not just that what do you do what is the point of your life and I don't mean that in a horrible sense like what is the point <laughs> of you I mean that literally what is the aim in your life what is your aim what do you want most in life? What, you know, if, if you were to, literally, if I were to tell you now, you have 24 hours to live, what are you going to go and rush out and do immediately and stop listening to me? What is that thing or what are those things? Try and have those in mind when we're having a think about this. You see, your life's prayer could be to do with you. Solely you. You know, I want, and it's somebody from this church actually. I, 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 don't, I, I don't believe you're here tonight. And if, if you are, well, just be offended. There's nothing I can do. <laughs> but, but there was somebody who was living, living in Beetham Tower, was it? Yeah, I think they were. They were living, living in, in Beetham Tower. And, and basically, they didn't have the best flat in the tower. Okay, and they were praying to God um, that they would get the best flat. And then they didn't. And they were very upset by this. And uh, somebody was telling me about this. And I just thought, what, that's rubbish. You know, as if God is bothered about what flat you live in. I don't think he is. When half the world's population maybe hasn't got somewhere to live. You've got a nice flat in Beathen Tower. Just be happy about it, you know. You see, I would say that that person, and I've never met them... Probably had their priorities wrong in their life. Probably had their direction wrong in their life. Their prayer, their aim of their life, what they interceded to God about was all to do with them. Is your aim just to get a better job and climb up the career ladder? Is it? I don't know. I don't know some of you, most of you guys. For some of you, it might be that your whole aim of your life is just to find a partner. That's what you're about right now. So everything in your life, if God's to look at it, what, what, what prayer are they offering me? What offering are they giving me with their life? That, that's all they see. I need a partner. And, and God understands that. But that, that's your number one aim. Maybe you need money. I mean, you, you, you name the need... And you could put that in that sentence. You know, I'm not belittling needs. And I'm, I'm not trying to belittle the, the everydayness of life. You know, we all have it. You know, we all need to pay the bills. Some things, have, you know, if we don't want bailiffs at our door. Those things are very important, aren't they? You know, a psychologist called Maslow, he came up with a, a hierarchy of needs. Anybody ever studied psychology? You would have seen that. Nice pyramid. All the things you need in life. And if you don't have them, you start not to function. But is that the sum of you? Is, is that what your life gives out? If, you know, if, if, if your prayer of your life had an aroma... Would that be what you would smell like? You. You could go the other way. Your life's prayers about God. There's a, there's a very old fashioned word in the church. Okay, um, probably don't use it here, far too trendy. <laughs> word sacrament. There you go. I told you you wouldn't use it here, didn't I? There you go. (laughs) I remember being on a bus in Scotland, and some guy goes, "Oh, I love the sacraments," and he was just full of it and all of it. (laughs) But the word sacrament—it just simply means it's a way of experiencing God's goodness to us. That's all it means. Okay? It might be a very, you know, sort of traditional-sounding church word, but it just means a way of 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 of, uh, experiencing God's goodness. And I guess the question is, is your life a sacrament to God? Is it a way that this world and others around you, your family, your friends, your work colleagues, through you, do they experience the goodness of God? Through the prayer that is your life, are they getting God from you? What, what, What are they getting? Because it... If your life's about is about God, you're a sacrament to them. You know, is it God's priorities and God's thoughts that are shaping your life? That, that drive you? You know, I, I wrote down three examples here. Um, and hey, we'll, we'll, we'll see if they're good examples or not. <laughs> I remember years ago, being in Zimbabwe... And uh, it was a bit tense at the time because, because the government had uh, basically had a problem with the British government and still do a little bit, actually. But um, so if you if you met any policeman or anything like that and you were British, it was just a pain in the neck. You know, you were getting loads of hassle and asking for money and loads of aggro. But there was one day and, and my wife's a doctor, Jude, and we were in a village, weren't we, Jude? And there was this lad, and he was brought to us in a wheelbarrow. He was 14 years old, and he had cerebral malaria. And I remember in a setting not unlike this, actually, where there was this lad in the middle of the, uh, of the room, or it was actually it wasn't the room, it was actually outside, so it was in the middle of the dust, and he's nearly dead. And Jude's doing stuff to try and sort him out. And, every, I mean, literally the whole village is watching. I mean, talk about pressure. I mean, my word. And, and Jude said, look, we, we just need to get into a clinic you know, we, we need to get him out of here and um, <laughs> there, 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 was a lot, there was a few problems of that one was the problem with the uh, was, was the problem with the police and the hassle and all the rest of it and we were just inviting that by going the way we were going to go the other one is that you couldn't get fuel in the country at the time either you just couldn't do it, it just wasn't there we tried for days and we had just enough fuel to get out of the country and I'm just thinking, oh no <laughs> what are we going to do and of course, you have to make the obvious decision and you go, don't you? You don't, you don't leave 14-year-old dying in the middle of a village. But, you know, every, every, you know, the whole time when he was in the back of the car, when he was... You know, I'm, I'm just saying, Lord, please let him live. Please let, please let him be okay. Please let us have enough fuel to get there and back. And, you know, we were making decisions and we were doing things aligned with something other than ourselves. You know, when I, when I got to the hospital and the administrator at the hospital was basically refusing to do anything until he was paid and I, and I threatened to dump this kid's dead body at his doorstep if he didn't do something, which is a big deal there, by the way. Um, you know, then, you, you know, just to, just to get him in to see the doctors, you know, I wasn't being deliberately in your face. Um, I'm just praying, saying, Lord, please, please, please. I, I don't care about me in this situation. I just care about you. See, that would be an, I mean, he lived, by the way. <laughs> Story's got a happy ending. But he only lived because we did something. And he only lived because we prayed and we took action. What do you want the prayer of your life to, to do? Do you want to do something like that? Or not? <laughs> Another situation, you know, I mean, I, I live in North Wales and I'm here. And, um, and, and the church is pretty dead in, in the rural bits. Anyway, up the coast is fine. But, you know, and I'll drive around and I'll be like, Lord, please let this change. Please let your spirit come here. Please do this. Please. Do this. You know, and, and sooner or later, you're praying that way. But sooner or later, there comes a point And it's almost like God saying, okay, I hear that. So what are you going to do about it? Just, just, you know, utter some words in a car as you're going along. He demands more of us at some point, and he says, are you willing to put your feet and your mouth, and, and I've got a big mouth, so that gets me into lots of trouble, are you willing to put yourself into the prayer that, you, that you're praying, John? Because I want more than just a few words, I want you. Yeah? <laughs> you know, what about, I mean, years ago, when, when, I was, when Dignity began, I was in... Uh, northern Zambia and I really didn't know what to do to be honest at that point I was just kind of making it up as I was going along and um and I really felt God talk about oaks of righteousness that's why we talk about trees and stuff in that video about people who would stand for God in their villages and their communities for him and the thing is, that I've been praying, I've Lord, we've got, we've got to be able to do more. We've got to be able to, you know, affect things more than just a bit of training every now and again. I mean, what's the point? It's just a waste of time. But then God says, okay, I've placed these people all over the place. Yeah, pray for them. But what's the prayer of your life saying, John? What are you going to do? Are you going to go with it? Are you going to make them the priority? Are you going to make them the aim here? Or you're just going to keep yourself as the aim. You, you see, you see to, to pray effectively, it's about you. It's about who you are and about what you are. Now, you do have needs, okay? You might say, "What about me?" Well, well, this is what God says. It's in the book of Matthew. It says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, who was a king in the Old Testament, in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. You see, that sounds very similar to James there, doesn't it? Is your life just about worrying about those things? You of little faith, or is it more? So don't worry saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, those who follow other religions, that's what it's saying there, those who, have a, who follow worldviews that are not to do with Jesus, that's what the word pagan means. They run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, God knows about your needs. But they're not an excuse to not offer your life to God as a prayer. See, most of us, we're like this. i put it slightly towards a God bit just for... You know, to make you feel nice. <laughs> yeah? That's where I am. I'm sure that's where most of you are. Does anybody remember the radio station Atlantic 252? Yeah, who does? There you go. That means you're old. Sorry. <laughs> okay, that, that, that's... Uh, There was some licensing thing, and it basically used to broadcast from like an oil rig or something in the middle of the Irish Sea or somewhere like that, okay? Maybe the Atlantic. (laughs) And and if you ever tried to listen to it, because it had a bit of a cool cult following at some point, but it was on long wave. So whenever you were driving along in your car, you'd be getting into a song, and then it started going, (laughs) you know, it would cut out. And it didn't matter where you were in the country... It would be good sometimes, and then two minutes later, it would be hissing and crackling and popping and doing all that kind of stuff. Now, the problem is, of us, we're a little bit like Atlantic 252. Sometimes, (laughs) there you go, it's a mad example, isn't it? Sometimes we're loud and clear. Other times we're hissing and crackling and popping like a long-wave pirate radio station. (laughs) Not what you hear in church very often, is it? You see, I don't think we're double-minded so much. I think we're easily distracted. We're distracted by what we see around us and the priority of what's around us. A bit like that current in Victoria Falls. Or if you're a sports fan, Radio 5 Live. Why is that not on FM? You know, and you're struggling to hear if your team has scored or it's hissing away. That's exactly what our lives are like. You see, we need to pray... And ask for God to give us a consistency of life and of our offering to God within within our own heart. Our prayer to God, if you like, that we're not hissing like Atlantic 252. And I've got a little video which talks about consistency. I just want us to have a look at it. I'm on a 20% commission, so (laughs) if anybody does want life insurance, speak to me afterwards. (laughs) Success comes from being consistent, day after day, month after month. I think that's what it comes down to, you know. And I wonder in that video which character you were. You know, at the beginning, everyone went out into the sea fishing. Then they got discouraged. Then maybe other priorities came along. There's no point. There's no fish there. So I wonder if you were one of the guys or the people who were on the beach looking on as that nutter <laughs> kept going out day after day, hour after hour, in the storm, when it was sunny. He, he was there and eventually he lands the catch. You see, maturity I think is measured in terms of consistency. Our offering to God, our sacrament, is consistency of following Jesus and of thinking like Jesus and of being like Jesus in our lives. And I think God wants us to be like that fisherman. It took effort to push that boat out alone. It took focus For him to do it but he he managed it and there was a reward in that and the reward was that he encountered the life that was there that's what the book of James is talking about but don't be like everyone else who's double-minded and we're just sitting around on the beach watching be like the fisherman can I just pray And what I'm going to do, I'm, 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 I'm going to pray a prayer for myself, actually. I'm not going to presume to pray for you. Um, just about consistency and about offering my life to God. And if you want to join me in that, then feel free. You can use my words if it helps you. And I think the band's going to play. I think we're going to have a little bit of a time of response and worship. And, and, and if you feel that your life You need to be more like the fisherman in terms of your relationship with Jesus and the aroma, the offering that your life is. Then maybe come and get somebody to pray for you. Come and ask the Holy Spirit to help you do that. Because by thinking, you won't get anywhere. It's the wrong organ. It's your heart. It's the direction of your life. So let me pray. Lord Jesus, I... I get things wrong so often. I am aware of all of the competing visions and competing priorities in my life. And I really want you to be number one, but I really struggle to do it. Lord, I I want you to give me wisdom wisdom about who i am wisdom about who i was created to be wisdom about what i am about what my life is about who you are and about ordering and aligning my life to you i don't want to be like the wave that's tossed around by every current and every thought that happens to be trendy in the public sphere i I want to follow after you and i want my life to be found in you. Forgive me when I get things wrong. When I, when I go down the wrong alley. But, but Lord, tonight I'm asking you for that wisdom. Let my life be an offering to you. Let my life be a prayer to you. Let it be a living prayer. And Lord, may my life be a sacrament for others. That they will experience something of your goodness. Through me. Lord, I pray this in your holy name. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.